Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. There are times in all of our lives that we all experience tragedy. And throughout the history of the United States of America, there are certain dates that transpired that you know exactly where you were when the day it happened. For example, on September 11th, 2001, if I were to ask you what were you doing and where were you when we saw the news or heard the news about the two towers being um, destroyed, you would know exactly where you were. But let me ask you about this date. Do you remember what transpired on April the 20th, 1999? It may sound just like an ordinary day to you. And in fact, it seemed like an ordinary day for a young lady by the name of Rachel. She was a 17-year-old attending high school. And unexpectedly, that was her last day that she'd ever live. She recently committed her life to Jesus Christ and she began to faithfully tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ. And you might have know her by the name of Rachel Joy Scott. She was a victim of the Columbine Massacre that happened many, many years ago in 1999. Before she was shot in the head in cold blood, she was asked by her two killers this question, Do you still believe in your God? Without any hesitation, she said, You know that I do. It's interesting. I wonder if we were to place ourselves in a situation like that, where somebody is holding a gun to our heads and ask us if we are followers of Jesus Christ, I wonder what we would say and do. It's easy to, to say here right now while we're in the luxury of, of, of no persecution to say, yeah, I would truly stand up for my faith. We never know until the moment it's being done. So today I want to challenge us all with this thought. I'm not ashamed. In fact, I want to draw your attention to, to verse number 8 and also verse number 12. The Bible says in verse number 8, it's, it's in, in fact a command that, that Timothy is, being, is, is, is receiving from the Apostle Paul. He says, be not, thou for, excuse me, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Now look at verse number 12. It says the, the little second part of it. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. I want you to draw, uh, I want to draw your attention to those four words. I am not ashamed. And I want to label those four words as my sermon title today. I am not ashamed. So if you walk away with anything, I want you to walk away with this key statement. I am not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ and His gospel. That is, if you could leave the message in the service today with any thought, I want you to take away that simple statement. I am not ashamed, and I hope you can make it your own thought and statement today. I am not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ and His gospel. May I ask you a question, a key question? Are you ashamed of Jesus Christ? 
If you were young Rachel, a 17-year-old, if you could just go back to when you were 17 years old, when you were a junior or senior in high school, would you have stood up for your faith then? Or would you rather stay alive? With all that in mind, we come to this book of the Bible. We know that this is the second letter that Paul's writing to Timothy. And he's urging him not to be ashamed. No matter what he's about to go through at Ephesus, he is urging him. He is charging him. And he is pleading with him not to be ashamed with whatever transpires in his walk with the Lord and the community that he's going to serve. And I want to share with you three thoughts today about not being ashamed of Jesus Christ. And I wrote down these statements personally. I just wrote them down the way that God gave them to me as I was meditating in this passage. And I want to just give them to you the way that God gave them to me. I wrote down, first of all, from verses 6 and 7, I wrote down this thought. I will use my gifts for His glory because I am not ashamed of Christ. I will use my gifts for His glory because I am not ashamed of Christ. Look at verse number 6. The Bible says, Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Before we dive into these two verses, I want you to know this, that all of us were given gifts, spiritual gifts, I believe, by Almighty God. Every one of us here today have been given certain talents and certain abilities that other people do not have and maybe other people do have. And God wants us, once we receive Christ as Savior, to give not just our lives but also our gifts to be used to the glory of Almighty God. Remember what Jesus said? He said, Whosoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also will I be ashamed. You remember what the Apostle Paul said to the church at Rome? He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. As I read the first part of verse number 7, or in fact, before we dive in here, I want you to know, I want to zoom in on this, this, this phrase, stir up the gift of God. The, the, this phrase literally gives the idea of the, the concept in, in Corinthians and in Romans when Paul's writing to those two churches about the specific spiritual gifts that God gave to them. Listen, I don't know what your spiritual gift is, but, but listen, it, it's a good idea to try to figure out what that spiritual gift is and use it for the glory of God. And here is all he's talking about. He's saying, stir it up. Use your gifts and talents for God because God has given to you them to be used of that. Now, I want to draw your attention to verse number 7. This is probably the two verses in our text today that are very popular is verse 7 and verse number 12. And verse 7, it says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. So I wrote down this. I will not be afraid to use my gifts because I have the power of God. Hear me well today. As we read this verse... This word power, the very first word says power. Would you say power with me on three, one, two, three? Power. Say it again, please. Power. Listen, we have the power. Now, I'm not talking about the power from the AEP, uh, the electrical uh, authority place. I'm talking about the power from Almighty God that He's given to us. Listen, this word power in the original language, you can study it for yourself, but it gives the same idea that we had to take dynamite and we blow up a cannon or over here at the rock quarry that they blow stuff up all the time. Listen, the same dynamite that they use, the same word is being referred to here of power. So whenever we think about that power from a bomb or dynamite, 
God gives us a greater power living inside of us from the Holy Spirit of God and His Word. Listen, so we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be fearful of using our gifts and our talents for God. Some people have been given more gifts than others. It's, it's very apparent of that. But no matter how liberally God has blessed you with gifts, God desires you to use those gifts for Him. But sometimes we are afraid to step out in faith. So I want to encourage you today for you to know this, that the power of Almighty God is backing your gifts. So use them for His glory. The next word, it moves forward, and it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. Say love with me on three. One, two, three. Love. One more time, please. Love. This is the month of February where we celebrate love on Valentine's Day. But I'm telling you something today. The greatest love is not between a man and a woman and, and marriage. The greatest love that was ever presented to humanity was demonstrated 2,000 years on the cross. The Bible says, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ demonstrated the greatest love our world has ever seen by laying down His life for you and for me. And here, as we look at this verse, we understand that not just God doesn't want us to be full of fear, but He wants us to be full of power through His Spirit and through His love. I believe, church, that the church as a whole, the universal church, is suffering today because we are not demonstrating love to the degree that God expects us to do it. Far too many times churches are, are demonstrated hatred within themselves instead of the love that God has given us. Check it out. I wrote down this. I will not be afraid to use my gifts because I have the love of God. You see, not just the power of God is living inside of me, but also the love of God because I have salvation. I know Jesus is my Savior, and, I, and I'm sure you do too. So we can take that love and share it with others. You know, we, we quote this verse all the time. Sometimes we quote it in such a way that it loses value and meaning. So let me slow it down for us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't just love the world. The Bible says He so loved the world. And He did it in such a way that we would experience life, eternal life in heaven forever. So don't be afraid to use your gifts because God has given you power and He's given you the love, the compassion. I believe that compassion is what our world is missing today. You know, I believe that, that if our world got a hold of the, compa the compassion of Almighty God, it would change the way we view our fellow neighbor, brother, and sister. And our fellow neighboring nations. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And check it out now, of a sound mind. If I could just change the wording to make it a little bit more modernized of, of a sound mind, all it simply means is discipline. So I wrote on this, I will not be afraid to use my gifts because God has given me a sound mind. When God gives us his power and when God gives us his love, he also gives us discipline. 
to carry out the gifts that God has blessed us with. You know, it takes discipline. <laughs> to, let's say you set a goal to read through the Bible this year. It takes discipline <laughs> to every single day to open up the Word of God. Because, you know, it's a lot easier just to turn on the television and watch, you know, like the Andy Griffith show or whatever show you're watching these days. You know, it's very easy to just do our own thing instead of open up the Word of God. It takes discipline to get in our closet of prayer. It takes discipline because, you know, we could go, uh, you know, drive down the road and listen to music instead of getting into the prayer closet. It takes discipline in our walk with God. And God also says that it takes discipline to use our gifts and talents for the glory of God. So all I'm here to do today is say this. I'm not ashamed of Christ. And if we are not ashamed of Jesus Christ, we should use our gifts for Him. So I will use my gifts for His glory because I'm not ashamed of Christ. May I share with you, secondly, from verses 8 through 12? I wrote down this thought. I'm willing to suffer for His name because I'm not ashamed of Christ. I'm willing to suffer for His name because I'm not ashamed of Christ. Look at verse 8. In fact, as I read verses 8 through 10, I wrote down this statement I'm going to give to you in just a moment. But it says this, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Did you, did you catch that? This is a declarative command from God. He says, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. What is the Lord's testimony? The Lord's testimony is simply this, that Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless, perfect, perfect life, and he died on the cross, and he was buried. He was placed in a borrowed tomb. He didn't even get his own grave site. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And there, they, two, three days later, the Bible says that the stone was rolled away, and he rose, and then he was witnessed by over 500 men. He ascended up to glory, and he is coming back again, whether anybody receives that or rejects that. He is coming back because his word says so. That is the testimony. And the Bible says here that we are not to be ashamed of that testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here, here's what I wrote down. I wrote down this. God has given us his power to overcome afflictions. God has given us his power to overcome afflictions. You see, Paul knew, listen, if anybody knew what it was like to suffer for Jesus Christ, it was the apostle Paul. He was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he was imprisoned, he was stoned and left for dead. Listen, the list goes on about the Apostle Paul and the persecution he received. And perhaps the reason why his persecution was so great is because at one time in his life he persecuted the church in such a great manner. But that's a, another topic for another day. Here the Bible says, Be not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker, check it out now, partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Now let's keep reading here. It says, who has saved us. And, and there was a time in your life, I look out of this auditorium and I, and I thank God for how he has transformed you and created you and given you a new heart and transformed your life through a personal relationship with him. And now your eternal destination is heaven and it is no longer hell. He says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Whatever gift God gives you, it's by the grace of God. 
Whatever calling God placed in your life, it's by the grace of God. And it says, which is given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So, so, so look at this. Before the world was ever created, God knew you and God knew me. <laughs> the eternal God who created the universe knew your name, knew the hairs of your head, knew everything about you before you were ever thought of. Wow. Verse 10. Here it is. Check it out now. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is referring to His first coming. It says, who... You say, how do you know it's His first coming? Well, keep reading the verse. It says, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. As I read these three verses, or these... Yeah, these three verses, I wrote down this. God has given us His power to overcome afflictions. How do I know we can overcome afflictions through a relationship with Jesus? Christ, because he overcome the greatest affliction, and that's death. You see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ defeated death, hell, and the grave. And if he overcome those trials and those tribulations and those temptations, don't you think God can give us the same power inside of us to overcome what we face in our world today? Yes, he can, church. And he is alive and well to testify of all those things. I want to draw your attention now to verse 11. It says, whereunto... After all this, Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed of this testimony of Christ, of how he died and he rose again. And then he says this in verse 11, Whereunto I am appointed, say appointed with me on 3123, appointed just as you are summoned to serve on the jury in the court. The Bible says here that this man, Paul, was summoned not by the earthly judge, but by the heavenly judge to be a preacher, apostle, and teacher of the Gentiles. So I wrote on this. God has appointed us to service. And no affliction will stop us. Back in 1999. Imagine Rachel going to school. Going to class to class to lunch. And then somebody holding a gun to her head. Do you still believe in your God now? I believe that God gives us the grace and mercy and power and, and everything that we need in those moments in the exact time. And there God gave her the strength, the exact strength that she needed to stand. And she said, you know that I do. I believe that whatever you're facing right now in your life, that it cannot stop the power of God in your life. You see, God wants to use you in such a great way. He's not going to let anything stop you from being used by Him. If God can take Nebuchadnezzar and Nero and Cyrus and some of these secular kings in the Old Testament and advance His Word through them, just think how much greater of an impact He can use a child of God who's surrendered to the will of God. This word preacher, it, 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 it's not what you think it is. Let me share with you what it is. This word preacher, it literally means somebody who heralds the divine truth of the gospel. So this word preacher, it does not mean a pastor. And let me say this. I believe that 
that all of us are called to be herald or her, to herald forth the divine truth of the gospel. And then he says, an apostle. This is not what you think it is. This is a delegate, an ambassador of the gospel. That is somebody who's willing to take the gospel to another land. And that's what God has called us to do. He's called us to take the gospel wherever we go. And then it says a teacher. Now this means somebody who instructs others in the word of God. Listen, you don't have to be a pastor to do these things. God called Paul to be a person who took the gospel to another land and to instruct people in his word. And so as I read verse 11, I just simply thought that God has appointed us to service and no affliction will stop us. But then as I read verse 12, here's what I wrote down. God is able to abolish every affliction. Look at verse 12. It says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Remember, that's our, that's our thought today. I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ and His gospel. But then it says, you might recognize this verse because it's a song. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. In fact, if you've got your hymnal there, I want you to pull out the hymnal. And I want you to look at page 527. Did you know the greatest songs that we sing are songs straight from the Word of God? And maybe you've heard this song before, maybe you haven't. But I want to show it to you. 527. This song is called, I Know Whom I Have Believed. The title is straight from the Word of God, and so is the chorus. I, I'm just going to read um, the verses to you, and then the, ver and then the chorus. We're not going to sing it, but I just want to show it to you. 527 in the hymn says this, I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own. I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word wrought peace within my heart. I know not how the Spirit moves, convincing men of sin, revealing Jesus through the word, creating faith in him. I know not when my Lord may come at night or noonday fair, nor if I walk the veil with him or meet him in the air. And the chorus says, But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. God is able to abolish every affliction, no matter what you're facing today. Are you ashamed of Jesus Christ, church? Are you willing to live your life completely sold out and dedicated to Him? Listen, will you be willing to use your gifts for His glory? Will you be willing to suffer shame for His name if that were to transpire? But now may I share with you from the last section of our, of our text, from verses 13 down to 18. I wrote down this third and final thought. I will stand upon His word because I am not ashamed of Christ. I will stand upon His Word because I am not ashamed of Christ. Look at verse number 13. It says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. And then the Apostle Paul in verses 15, 16, 17, and 18, he goes in and he just has, uh, talks about some of the people that have helped him in his time of need. But I just want to share these thoughts with you. 
And I wrote it down in a personal manner, and I hope you'll do the same. I will stand upon the Word of God even when it's not popular. I will stand upon the Word of God even when it's not popular. You see, if you go back to high school, like we're talking about high school with Rachel, you know, high school is all about popularity. And if you're not popular, hey, you may not have a good day. But if you are popular, you might have a good day for high school. And sometimes as a young person in high school or even in college or just anywhere in the world, sometimes, no matter the age or stage, there's seasons in our life where we're, we don't want to bow down to the peer pressure, so we're going to do whatever is popular. But hear me well today. I hope that we'll always be a church that will stand for the Word of God even when it's not popular in our society. So, so check it out now. Listen. I know that, that it's not very popular these days to believe in, in, in the biblical form of marriage. But listen, we as a church are going to stand firm on that marriage found in the Word of God between one man and one woman. Jesus said it, and that settles it for you and me. Listen, I know that our world is having a huge debate and going all crazy situations with, with this idea of, 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 of a baby inside the womb. But you know what the Bible says in Jeremiah and some other places? The Bible talks about how God knows us even in the womb as a child. And it doesn't matter what New York says or any other state says for that matter. I'm going to stand firm on the word of God and the sanctity of life in the womb. No matter what our world says, whether it's, it's unpopular or popular, we've got to stand on the word of God. I'm going to stand firm that, that salvation is by grace through faith. That you cannot work your way to heaven. That you can't get baptized in, to get to heaven. You can't join this church or any other church to get to heaven. you got to know Christ as Savior. I'm going to stand firm that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. And that all those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ will spend eternity in heaven. And all those who reject that message will spend eternity separated from God in a devil's hell. I'm going to stand firm that Jesus Christ is coming again because His Word said it in John 14 and Thessalonians and many other places. He is coming. And He's not coming as a little babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger is going to go on a donkey through Jerusalem. He's coming to stand His foot on the Mount of Olives and He's going to bring judgment to this world. The Word of God is what we're going to stand firm on today, church. I'm going to stand firm on how God has given us a great commission. And it is our responsibility as a body of believers to take that message to the world. I will stand upon the Word even when it's not popular. So listen, you can get mad at me all you want to. doesn't bother me. Wouldn't be the first person to get mad at me. You can defriend me on Facebook all you want to, and it wouldn't be the first one. I'm going to stand on the Word of God, even if it results in persecution. So because of our stands, one of these days, they might threaten us to take away our tax-exempt status. By all means, take it away. Who gives a flippity-flop about that? <laughs> Listen, I know that other nations in our world are experiencing great persecution right now. And Christians today are being threatened with their lives. We have it pretty good here in America. So if it may come a day where we receive great persecution, may God help us to continue to stand on the word. And then I wrote down this. I will stand upon the word of God even when the church has abandoned it. 
The vast majority of, of colleges and institutions that, that were started off as Christian colleges to train people to serve the Lord, listen, we could list a lot of them. Um, some of them that you wouldn't even think about today were started back in the 17 and 1800s. And their sole purpose was to train people to take the gospel to the world. But one thing I've noticed over the years is that nearly every institution like that has deteriorated. And, and they do not always stand on the word of God. One thing I've noticed about, about a lot of denominations today is that a lot of them at one time were standing on the word of God. But now they've slipped away. And so, maybe there'll come a day when our church will do that. But hear me well. As long as I stand here, and as the leadership stands here, and as you sit here today and stand here in our church, may God help us to not fall away from the Word of God. Yes, I know the Bible says in the last days there will be a great departure, and, and perhaps we're seeing that today. It's apparent we're seeing something like that in America. But, but no matter if the youth of our nation does not want to receive the God of salvation, or any other generation for that matter, may God help us to stand upon this word, even when the majority do not want it, and when people are persecuting those who stand on it, and those will walk away from it. Demas, the Bible says, walked away from the faith. So many people in the Word of God walked away from the faith and departed from it. And more than likely, they were not part of the faith to begin with. And we've seen a whole host of people today walk away. I just know just from the church I grew up in and the young people that were in youth group with me, I could, I could give you name after name after name who are no longer claiming to be Christians. So will you stand on the Word of God? even when it's not popular? Will you stand for His Word even if it results in persecution? Will you be willing to suffer shame for the name of Christ? And will you be willing to use your gifts and talents for the glory of God? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.